0: Hi, everyone. Hi. It uh, is starting to be what we call winter in Denmark. And so the temperatures started to get colder. So uh, it's supposed to have a, a relapse this week. It's supposed to get all the way up to 14. So be encouraged. So it'll be almost like summer again. <laughs> Just like India. Yeah. Okay. So uh, our verse here we really like for Koinonia is... Uh, they were continually devote themselves to the Apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to breaking the bread and prayer. And so this series we have to, this week, these weeks, is uh, on true fellowship, true community. And it's based upon this word study of the word koinonia in the New Testament, which means fellowship. And be what we interpret as fellowship, but it entails much more than just... Uh, Sitting around and having a good time together, where we're going to be uh, sharing life together, sharing something common, and so fellowship—that's koinonia. Uh, Also, as a part of our verse that we have for our church, is that we also want to focus and say it's not just inwardly. That you know, I say koinonia—we're just looking at how to trying to make a nice little club. Well, actually, we also want to take this new this message out, and so that's why. We've added to it uh, this Second Corinthians uh, passage to where it talks about the ministry of reconciliation. The reason we're part of the body of Christ, we're part of koinonia, is because we've been reconciled to Christ and we've been made new. And so we're not supposed to keep that message to ourselves, we're supposed to tell others. And so we want to go out and share, share about this message of koinonia, of also this, the message of being reconciled to God. So we want to beg people to be reconciled to God. So it's not just to be kept inside the house, we're supposed to go out and tell others. And that's both at work, school, uh, home, friends, however, let yourselves be a light to shine uh, about the gospel. So we're in this uh, study of koinonia, true community, and we've gone through several chapters now. And uh, the first chapter was just emphasizing we're sharing a common life fellowship and sharing a common life. And what is that common life? It's based on this, that uh, we're sharing together a community relationship and a partnership. So, because we are sharing this common life of being in Christ Jesus, sharing with the Father and with the Son, we have this community relationship. So, we're placed in this community because of our relationship to Jesus. We also have a relationship to each other. And also, it's a partnership. We have a goal. We have a, a, um, uh, a, a uh, purpose of our gathering together. So just like we have, when we're back here, we can see this is our community, and we're supposed to go out and tell others. And So that's what basically is staying there. We have a community of relationship, and we have a partnership to share that. And also, we're sharing together, but we're also sharing with. Communion, we're sharing our lives together, and also we're ter- sharing our material possessions together. And so those are the two aspects of what it means that we're looking at of sharing a common life. it's union with God. In order for us to have this community, it's not based upon us. It's based upon our relationship to God. We have a union with God. God, who called us into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, is faithful. Our prayer should be, Lord, enable me all day long, for without you, I can do nothing. So we're in this union with God, and it's not based upon our efforts, it's based upon what God has given. Then we have a communion with God. How how does that work? One thing I've asked from the Lord, that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, and to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to meditate in His temple. So this is where it's talking about, well, what is our communion? How are we communicating, me personally, you personally, with God? We have to have this relationship of where we're talking with and God is talking to each one of us as an individual. So we're having, God is meeting us where we're at as an individual. So you're, communing with God, then fellowship and community. God does not save groups. He saves individual people. Each of us must respond individually in repentance and faith to the gospel invitation. But although God saves us as individuals, He immediately incorporates us into the body of Christ. So it's a fellowship and a community. So we're not in this for ourselves, we're in this together. So we come into this relationship as an individual, but God has placed it into a family. Today we're going to look at what this is to look like, spiritual fellowship. And so I was... Looking through uh, many different things, uh, preparing for the sermon, and so I came across a gentleman called Samuel Rutherford, and he's uh, a fellow that comes from Scotland, and he was very active in the Church of Scotland in the Reformation that took place in that place uh, a few years ago, uh, sixteen thirty. So his thoughts, though are something that I think we can uh, look at and apply to our lives today, now, over 350 years later, of where he's, he saw some things and experienced some things uh, in his relationship with, with uh, his fellow Christians in Scotland at that time and in the Presbyterian Church and how he addressed this aspect of spiritual fellowship. Of having, getting together, in, in uh, small groups and home groups in uh, different opportunities of where Christians get together and have this opportunity to have this fellowship together, and it's just not for getting together and say, oh, isn't it great? Let's get together and have a cup of coffee. Well, let's get together and let's praise the Lord together. Let's see what. Let me share what God is doing in my life. Let me hear what God is doing in your life. Well, how can we pray for one another? Oh, is there other aspects that we can? can dwell into our lives on this one-to-one basis and it's a spiritual fellowship and so I would like to use some of his thoughts and just to spur our own thoughts and then hope this will be uh, complementary to what we were going to read in the book this week so here's uh, this uh, I found this information on the the, uh, internet Reformation Scotland Trust and so they put together this little Information. Fellowship is a word frequently used by evangelicals today. Sometimes it is more or less used simply to describe Christians being in one another's company for whatever reason. Rutherford speaks of duties of comforting, encouraging, counseling, and rebuking if necessary. Four components he is sort of emphasizing. Is where it's the duties in in, uh, in spiritual fellowship. That is comforting, encouraging, counseling, and rebuking if necessary. The meetings that Rutherford envisions are highly spiritual in tone. The purpose is not to teach or expound scriptures, rather, it is to nourish spiritual life in each other by praying, by prayer, and applying scripture. This might be in relation to our relationship with God or glorifying Him in our daily life it would be a great refreshing to see such evidence of spiritual life among God's people once again and so this Reformation Scotland Trust in 2015 put this out with uh, this little article about Samuel Rutherford and his envisionment of of people getting together and spurring each other on in their faith and being uh, building up each other and building up the church, and so they they're trying to say, well, let's look back to see what he said and see if we can glean some of this stuff from him. So that's what we're going to do right now. And so he sort of pointed out again, if you look back in the, the 1630s, what was happening? There was a lot of turmoil going on in the in the uh, church in Scotland and England, and there was these. Uh, they wanted them to have this spiritual renewal where they're actually coming back to reading the word, hearing God's word, repenting, and and walking a Christian life. And so how can they spur one another to do that? And one of the, the elements that was in this Reformation period of time were people getting together in small groups and and praying together, reading scripture together, sharing the word with each other, and also people become into the to Christ through those meetings and that kind of stuff. And so how uh, could they control this? Once it was established, the church finally was now starting to have people in the church that actually believed and they wanted to follow Christ. And so the preacher's up there preaching and so uh, are they going to continue having these small groups going around? And so these small groups could start going around and they could start being, well, we don't like what the preacher said, let's do something else. And so that he was trying to stop people having competition with the small groups and the church being a new way of trying to uh, uh, to cause division. He wanted to cause harmony. And so he gave some duties uh, to one another when we look at these, uh, the aspect of spiritual fellowship, what we do when we gather together. And so first thing, what does the Word of God say about this duty? Hear, word, hear the Word of God. It is clear. So it puts... Uh, four points together that he wants us to look at. It says, what does it say in Leviticus 19.17 Now, you shall not hate your fellow countrymen in your heart. You may surely reprove your neighbor, but you should not incur sin because of him. And so this is taken in the context of the Old Testament law. It starts out with the Ten Commandments and then after the Ten Commandments there comes a list of Several different laws that Moses has been given by the Lord, and so this is going into a section we would call uh, miscellaneous rules. <laughs> you read all kinds of stuff there, and this is one of thrown in there. And so it's just saying, well, don't hate your countrymen, but if you see him doing something wrong, you should get down and, re- and sit down and talk and reprove him. And so you have this interaction to where the whole idea is that you're not supposed to sin because of your neighbor, but you're supposed to confront if there's something wrong. And so this is where he comes to rebuke rebuke one another. We don't like that because that's a negative. But it's a part of life when we see that if I'm walking down the path wrongly, oh, I don't want to blend, uh, get involved in that person's life. Well, no, it says, no, you need to get involved with your brother's life and try to help him get back on the path. And so this is an area that it's not uh, where you're trying to be a goody two-shoes and say, oh, you have to do things my way. No, it's because you can see there's some obvious, uh, mis- the person is not following the Lord's commands. So as a brother, we should try to reprove one another. And so this is one of the aspects that should be a part of this spiritual fellowship, to where we're willing to address error, or where people are walking in the wrong direction. To teach and exhort. To teach and exhort. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So, this is where, if you're familiar with the word, your brother or sister isn't familiar with the word, when you get together, well, you try to encourage each other in living the Christian life, and so when we get together, like a lot of times, it, uh, a lot of times I know that I can get together with folks, and we're Christians, but we don't really dwell on anything spiritual. All of us have a cup of coffee. Oh, what do you think of the last thing uh, we, that you saw on TV, or uh, what's going on in the city? But we don't use things. Like, well, God really spoke to me in His Word and my devotion Two days ago. Let me just share that with you. Or, what have you heard from? Have you heard something new from the Lord? And so you get in this conversation where you're trying to encourage and also hear from each other how your walk is going. And you encourage because if we share, we actually encourage brothers and sisters when we share our life experiences with the Lord, our struggles, our difficulties, and how God has met us in that, or how we're in a situation where. Well, can you pray for me in this? Because I don't know how to get through this. Having that ability to do that. And so, this is what we're supposed to teach and exhort. Speak often with one another. This is really interesting. Malachi uh, 3.16. This is also, when we go to the book, and you're going to see he, re- he refers to this passage as one of the examples of what he's trying to do with spiritual uh, fellowship. Then those who fear the Lord spoke to one another and the Lord gave attention and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who esteem his name. And so if you look at the situation Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament. And things aren't going well for Israel. (laughs) They're having difficulties. But there's still a certain portion of the people that are still reverent to the Lord and also want to be encouraged. And so when they're getting together, they talk about, how the Lord look upon this? Well, the Lord, He has a book of remembrance, looking down, saying, well, these are folks that really want to get involved in doing this, where speak often to one another. So it's not something just that we think it's not important, but then the Lord is actually watching, He's actually pleased with it. When we're in these gatherings together, to where we're actually nurturing and, and encouraging and, and teaching and rookie, rookie and exhorting one another in that fellowship. And then the last, to exhort one another daily while it is still called today, in Hebrews 3.13. It says, but encourage one another day after day as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And so one of the purposes of this is to help us from having a hard heart, to becoming complacent, to becoming non-active in our spiritual walk. Why is it important to be a part of a spiritual fellowship? It's because we won't lose heart. When we have difficult times or we have dry periods, because we're with other fellow Christians, we can be encouraged. And so this is important. I do believe that we have... This is what he's pointed out. Uh, Samuel Rutherford is pointing out are the four aspects that he is trying to encourage people to continue to have to have spiritual growth going on in their communities, in their church life, and in their own personal life. And so, the duties of the Christian to one another: to rebuke one another, to teach and exhort each other, to speak often with one another, and to exhort one another daily. And so, this is an active participation in a community now when he was looking at these things he uh, addressed five things I remember this is 100, 350 years ago he, he saw five potentially problems Of uh, people would say well why we shouldn't be a part of a small group or a part of a spiritual fellowship and so I just like to look at those uh, five things real quick and is this public teaching? I you mean, know, are you competing with the preacher in the church? Coming here to church and having your spiritual fellowship—is are you competing with this? He says, "Well, no, because each one. Have, for example, he tried to use it. He used an illustration of a soldier versus a watchman on the tower, where both are warned." You you're supposed to watch out for the enemy, and you're supposed to be on guard. Now, if a fellow soldier is talking and encouraging another soldier, saying, "Now, you know, we really have to be aware of what our circumstances are and uh, be aware of the enemy, and I want to encourage you to keep your eyes open and that we can protect each other. And so as two soldiers talking together, I as one soldier can encourage another soldier. It's a whole different aspect of the guy standing in the tower looking out and seeing if the enemy is coming. He also knows the enemy is dangerous. But when he yells, hey, it's time to go into action, well, he has a commission from the king to get people riled up and start get ready for war. And so one would be like the pastor, where his purpose is teaching. The other is the people in the fellowship, you encourage each other. You sometimes have the same message, but one is speaking from... uh, Say, okay, watch out for these things. The other say, we need to watch out for things. And so that's where he's saying. So it's not public teaching, it's private. You're in private sharing with one another in a a small group. Is this official teaching of Scripture? Okay, is this official uh, teaching of Scripture? Okay. It's very important that we see where you're getting your authority from. Uh, People have different personality traits. Some people have strong personalities and try to lead and direct things. And so we have this one verse in 1 Timothy. It talks about no prophecy is for private interpretation. And so usually we try to find things by consensus. When we look and study the word, we uh, try to find out what it means when there's uh, different avenues of thinking and so we try to f- figure out together what God means with us. And so when you come to this uh, small groups of spiritual fellowship, it's not going to be leading you off in some other direction. And so it's not meant to be a place where you're uh, being given new directions of which way to go. Because you're already in the fellowship and you're going together. And so this would be an encouragement to, to walk the same path together. So it's not an official place this is his warning. This is his warning. Samuel Rutherford, he doesn't want people going off and being different kinds of churches. Uh, is, is this not simply to be done on a one-to-one basis? When you think about rebrooking or exhortation, is this supposed to just be one-on-one? Or can we do this as a group? And he's saying, well, we as a fellowship, we can do this together. Sometimes it's important to do it one-to-one. But it's also important that we as a fellowship do it together. And then is it scriptural to arrange a time and place for this? That was the sort of thing where back in that day, in his time, you had a problem where only churches could preach the gospel. Only the preacher could. And if you were in a small house group and someone's sharing scripture, that could be against the law. And also, it's not during the regular time Sundays is when it's supposed to be preached. And so he's saying, uh, and this, no this is not described if you look at Job when his friends came to counsel him it wasn't a prescribed time he did, they came to Job just at a certain time at a time when he was in need and so he, he's extracting from that saying well no when the, t- the time is right in your fellowship it could just be any time it could be on Tuesday night it could be on Thursday night it could be Wednesday morning it could be when uh, any time it's not a time or place and that was his argument. And then, how many can gather together? And so here he's saying, he likes, he likes the, the phrase, where two or three are gathered my name. And so, it could be as many as two people. And then he says, well, if you start to get to where you're having 15, 20, 40 people, then what's the difference between that and a church service? And so you have to watch out. That, that was his warning. You want to make sure you're not competing with being a church fellowship, but you're trying to be in a spiritual fellowship. Is where is the, the more intimate time. And so that was the five warnings that he uh, gave, five questions for spiritual fellowship. And then, communion of the saints. All saints, being united to one another in love, they have communion in each other's gifts and graces, and are obliged to To the performance of such duties, public and private, as to conduct their mutual good both in the inward and outward man. So each of us being a part of the body of Christ, God has given to each one of us gifts. Those gifts are to be used within the body, both in the private, that would be in the small fellowship in the spiritual fellowship group, and the public, which would be the church service. And so this is something that is not supposed to be kept to ourselves, the gift that God's given to us. It's meant to be used within the body. And so that's what they're trying to encourage is use your gifts in a spiritual fellowship setting. You're not there for yourself. You're not a Christian where, okay, I can do everything by myself. I don't need to be a part of a fellowship. I don't need to be a part of a community of faith. God has saved me and I'm God's gift to the world. Well, no, you're saved and you're put in the body to be a part of the body. So use, use your gifts and, and, and blessings there. Saints by profession are bound to maintain a holy fellowship and communion in the worship of God and in performing such other spiritual services as tend to their mutual edification. We're part of the body of Christ. And it's not for our glory, it's for his glory. It's we're supposed to mutually benefit one another, edify and build up one another. Can an I say to the foot, I don't need you? That's what he's emphasizing. J.L. Packard, this is one of the quotes that we have in the book. It says this. We should not think of our fellowship with other Christians as their spirit as a spiritual luxury an option additional addition to the exercise of private devotion. We should recognize rather that such fellowship is a spiritual necessity for God has made us in such a way that our fellowship with himself is fed by our fellowship with fellow Christians and requires to be so fed constantly for its own deepening and enrichment. And So what what it's basically saying is that we're designed as believers to be part of the body. And the way that we grow, the way that we uh, help others or uh, encourage others is by being part of this fellowship and be a part of a what he's calling here a spiritual fellowship so this is an encouragement for all of us to try to be a part of this spiritual fellowship that we're, we're, we're focusing on and so this is one, one of the aspects of what coining is it's where we're a part of the body of Christ and being a part of the body of Christ means we have to interact with one another and the way that we interact with one another and encourage one another is by being part of a small group, being in these, or when we go to, not just small groups, in the activities we do as fellow Christians together. So when we come together, if you're invited over for dinner, or you have a uh, time for coffee, or you meet uh, down uh, downtown with your with your kids or whatever, those times you're gathering together don't remember that to bring those words of encouragement from the Lord. So it's just not, oh, isn't this a piece of cake? It's supposed to bring a, a spiritual element into that. To where you're you're sharing what God has given you to others. And the others that have received them the Lord can share it with you. So we're encouraging each other. So I hope this is just a, a insight a little bit on what spiritual Fellowships are to be. And it's not just a small group. Just just not Tuesday nights at at Christian's Place or we have it at Marius and Vivi's. Every time we meet together as brothers and sisters, there should be an aspect of this to where we're encouraging each other in the Word, in our relationship with God. So hopefully this is an encouragement to you for that. And here's Samuel Rutherford's, one of his... A couple of just quotes. Many coals make a, a good fire. This is part of the communion of saints. So why do we gather together? What do we get together for? Well, it's because the, when the coals of a fire are together, that means you no longer burn or you're not burning alone, but then it creates more heat, much stronger fire. And it says, the more the coals are together, the hotter the fire will be. And so... That's what fellowship, spiritual fellowship, should encourage. And be a picture of that, to where we're burning brighter for the Lord because of our fellowship together. We're being encouraged, you're encouraging. So it's just not what you can receive, it's also what you can give. And so it's very important for us to remember that a lot of times it's not just, oh, what's in it for me. Actually, you might be the one that's going to be the blessing to the person you're with. And so allow God to use you in those situations. And so the whole purpose of it is where we, we pray that, Lord, make me a uh, be a light and what are the two things and salt, salt and light in the world. Well, we're all supposed to be salt and light to one another. God wants to use that in building up our relationships with each other. Because we're the body of Christ. We're His hands, we're his hands and feet. He wants to use us to be, be able to meet the world, but also to meet and reach each one of us. Dear God, I just thank you that we have a few moments just to look at what it means to have spiritual fellowship. I just thank you for this man that lived over 350 years ago that was just really excited about seeing people gathering together in different situations uh, not just at church but also in the marketplace, in their homes uh, in their free time to where they could encourage and regroup and, and exhort one another to walk faithfully with the Lord help us to also make that a part of our lives as we live here in Alderwood. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.